Hello everybody, good morning. Welcome, welcome to worship here at Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. It's a bit nippy outside still, isn't it? But look, look at our seasonal wall hangings. They're telling us that winter is gradually giving way to spring. Small signs of new growth are starting to show in the trees and on the earth. And you, you are welcome here this morning, however you are feeling. Cold or warm, rushed or rested. Make this a time for you. A time to reconnect with yourself, with others and with that which you hold to be sacred. Connected in community, one with another. Some opening words by Krista Taves. Whether we have come here with heart full or heart empty, with spirits high or low, rested or tired, hopeful or despairing, whether we have come here out of habit, conviction, loneliness, curiosity, we belong here because we are here. And all that we have and all that we are is welcome here. This morning we are together the heartbeat of this congregation. So welcome, welcome one and all. Our chalice flame is lit. It's flame connecting us with Unitarian communities the world over. Each valuing the worth, the dignity and the equality of all people. Each committed to a free and responsible exploration of faith. One flame, one light, one human race. Do you, um, do you know the story of David and Goliath? Oh, I'm going to have to tell you it more fully some other time. But it, it's found in the book of Samuel in the Hebrew scriptures and it involves somebody very small and somebody very big. And the very small one is meant to be really not much good at anything and the very big one is meant to be the strongest person in the whole world. Do you remember the story of the Israelites and the Philistines facing each other, two armies, and each day the champion of the Philistines, the giant Goliath, came out in front of all of the troops and said, Come and take me on if you think you're hard enough. And every day, the Israelites looked round at each other and thought, uh-uh, I don't think any of us is strong enough to take on the giant Goliath in mortal combat. You know what that means, mortal combat. One of you is not going to get up and walk away. And so it was, day after day. The challenge to single combat was made 
and no one in the Israelite army would stand up and fight Goliath. Including, it has to be said, King Saul, who by then was starting to get a bit of a bad reputation as a bit of a wuss. He wouldn't go and fight Goliath. And so it was that one day, young David, a shepherd boy, a minstrel, he'd come to bring his brothers who were in the army, he'd come to bring them their sandwiches for the day. And he said, let me, let me take on Goliath. Everybody knew he was going to get smashed to the ground, that he wouldn't stand a chance with Goliath. But what they did not know is that in those days, if you were a shepherd boy, you had to be really good with a stone and a sling. I don't know how it's done, but if you put a stone in a sling, shake it around like that and then release it, just sometimes you might just hit the great big bully on the forehead and that might be the end of them. And that was indeed what happened. David took out his shepherd boy's sling, he used it, and he slayed the uh, giant Goliath. And the Philistines turned tail and ran away because without their champion they were nobody. And that is the story of David and Goliath, and it's been much used. It's almost like it's the archetypal story of the underdog winning through. And contemporary cultural writer Malcolm Gladwell's written a whole book about this, which I probably don't entirely recommend that you read, but if you read a review, as I have done, you'll get a sense of it. He's called it David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. And what he does is explore that, in truth, giants have weak spots. And for Goliath, the weak spot was his temple. A sharp stone to the temple will slay a giant. And David, although he was the underdog, dog, was actually a superb shot. And that was how the underdog won the day against the Philistines. And I think our children's group are now leaving for their own program. And we're going to move into a, a time of prayer and reflection, which today is um, for Imolk. I mentioned our seasonal wall hangings earlier on. We, we aim to change these physical representations of the turning seasons of our planetary year. We aim to change them around the ancient quarter days of Imolk, Beltane, Lamas and Sawain. They're a beautiful reminder that our Earth is never still and that the connection of our planetary home with our sun, our beauteous, unbelievably powerful sun without which no life could exist here on earth that connection is indeed a life-giving one isn't it just as i believe our connection one with another is vital is life-giving and is love-giving so i invite you to bring that life-giving life-loving connection into this our time of prayer and reflection And so, so may we all connect now. May we connect with that spirit of life and love and with all that we hold to be of greatest worth. At this time of Imolk, spring festival of the goddess, time of renewed fertility of the earth, 
and all creatures upon the earth. As the earth begins to thaw, may we experience a melting of any frozen places within our beings. May warmth be there in our relating one with another. <coughs> May warmth be there in our projects and possibilities. <coughs> and as new life starts to emerge on the earth, may we too emerge from any stuck places in our lives. May new energy flow. May fresh air and fresh vistas revive our spirits and strengthen our resolve. And may new life and new possibility touch all our earthly ways of being, our political and economic systems, our relationship with the environment within which we breathe throughout our days, our relationships with ourselves and with one another, all sacred, all holy, all beautiful and full of potential. And may we, in a few moments of shared stillness, now send our prayers of hope and possibility to places and people we know to be most in need this day. And may the work of our lives be for the greater good of all, this day and indeed all days. Amen. I, um, I don't know if you know the work of poet and prose writer Sheena Pugh, originally from Wales and now living in Shetland. I really recommend her website to you because it's one of those generous websites with lots of poems and pieces of prose writing and photos and strong opinions expressed with both gusto and humility. She's someone I'd like to meet. Let me read you a poem I found on her website called The Madonna of the Rocks. The Madonna of the Rocks, where she describes a group of people on a walk finding a mother otter and her kits in a crevice on a rocky beach. And its imagery of the otter's brave defiance made me think of all those who stand against tyrants and sometimes win against the odds. She was in a, a narrow crevice on Eshaness. She looked up as they looked down into a small, savage, 
pure white face to take the breath away. Lifting her lip over tiny ivory knives, keeping her kits behind her, she stood her ground, staring defiance at the giant faces who could not tell her they too were parents, could only admire how she spat. Come on, if you think you're hard enough, at Herod's army. That's Sheena Pugh's poem, The Madonna of the Rocks. And there are many more poems, I think equally brilliant on her website. If, if I did get the chance to meet Sheena Pugh, I'd have to not ask her about the next poem that we're going to hear. It's entitled Sometimes. Sometimes is her best known poem and for various reasons she wishes it was not and she doesn't particularly want to be named as its writer. But interestingly on her website she does acknowledge a reader's or a listener's right to interpret any piece of writing in any way they want. So for us today when we hear this poem sometimes Maybe it'll hold a message reminding us that despite everything, things sometimes turn out well. It's last two lines. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen for you. It's expressing something of today's message of hope and possibility. Beating the odds. Sometimes by Sheena Pugh. Sometimes things don't go, after all, from bad to worse. Some years, Muscadel faces down frost. Green thrives. The crops don't fail. Sometimes a man aims high and all goes well. A people sometimes will step back from war elect an honest man, decide they care enough that they can't leave some stranger poor. Some men become what they were born for. Sometimes our best efforts do not go amiss. Sometimes we do as we meant to. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen for you.
some words now to lead us into further time for meditation. Perhaps get yourselves comfy, whatever works for you. Maybe put down things you don't want to hold on to or hold on to things you'd like to hold on to. Get yourself comfy in your chair, perhaps being aware of that lovely physical solidity that gravity brings us to the earth. Allowing the gentle rhythm of our breathing to settle us. Aware of sounds outside in the busy city, sounds inside in this room, yet with our attention turned inwards. And my hope for every life here on planet Earth would be that there would be some small triumphs for each and every one of us in a life. Things that we think of with pleasure. Those times when we achieved something perhaps against the odds. Some step forward we didn't really imagine we were going to be capable of taking. A challenge overcome, perhaps. Or a new way of being discovered. As we enter into a a few minutes now of shared stillness that will come to an end with a chime from our bell, I invite you to consider small or maybe large triumphs of your own life. The words for this reading, um, you have them on your insert sheet if you want to read along or take them away and read them at home later. (coughs) To be here now, alive in the 21st century and smart enough to know it, you have to be extremely, make that miraculously fortunate in your personal ancestry. 
Consider the fact that for 3.8 billion years, a period of time older than the Earth's mountains and rivers and oceans, every one of your forebears on both sides has been attractive enough to find a mate, healthy enough to reproduce, and sufficiently blessed by fate and circumstances to do so. Not one of your pertinent ancestors was squashed, devoured, drowned, starved, stranded, stuck fast, untimely wounded, or otherwise deflected from its life's quest of delivering a tiny charge of genetic material to the right partner at the right moment in order to perpetuate the only possible sequence of hereditary combinations that could result, eventually, astoundingly, and all too briefly, in you. Okay, so I need a scientist to explain this. Does that mean that each one of us is descended from a very good-looking amoeba? <laughs> I just don't know. Um, I love that reading of Bill Bryson's. It, it's, we've used it a lot, haven't we, over the years here. He expresses it so well, doesn't he? It is a complete miracle that you and I are here now together and that we are the individuals that we are. It's blooming amazing, every single one of us. We have already beaten the odds just by existing here now together. The chances were just infinitesimally small and look, we happened. Well done, everybody. Well done. I want to deserve a pat on the back, every single one of you. And I hope that in each one of our individual lives, I hope in each one of these lives, we have experienced other moments of triumph. Maybe just small examples of times when the odds were stacked against you, but you won through you achieved something that had not seemed at one point either possible or likely. So it's not surprising, is it, that these tales of the underdog uh, triumphing are so very popular. It's an archetypal tale, isn't it, that one of David and Goliath is found in ancient myths and fairy stories the world over. The unlikeliest character turns out to have the strength or the wit or the guile or the intelligence to beat the bully, to overcome the tyrant, to, to vanquish forces pitched against the ordinary folk. And we know that the reason such stories are so popular is because they are unlikely. We know that the very saying, beating the odds, means just that. The odds are stacked against us, and just occasionally, we win through. 
For one underdog to triumph, there must be many more who fail. Victory seemed unattainable because it was unattainable until some unexpected development occurred. And the ability of individuals to influence such occurrences in life is fascinating indeed. The, um, the film, The Darkest Hour, is on at cinemas at the present. I just have a show of hands. How many people have seen The Darkest Hour? I don't know. How many of us would recommend it to people? I'm, sort of, I'm a bit up and down now. Oh, yeah, okay, thank you. We can discuss it later. I recommend it if you like period costumes and street scenes from 1940s London, some great acting, there's a gripping story in there of a brief phase, a very brief phase, just a few months in British history, when the likelihood of Britain losing the war seemed very high indeed. And then along comes Churchill. Now, an unlikely archetype in his way, a whiskey-drinking, upper-class politician, seemingly disliked and distrusted by most of his party, uncertain what to do for the best, and even considering for a while the possibility of seeking terms of surrender in effect with Hitler's forces. And in that darkest hour, Churchill finds the strength and the determination to fight on. Boosted by a stuttering King George and by meeting some ordinary people allegedly on a tube train, it's all very cheering if you like that sort of thing. Not apparently historically accurate, yet feeding into an archetypal story that this country of Britain has about itself. So there's much we could discuss about this in our currently uncertain political times, but let's save that for a cup of tea later. And, and let's not get too rosy a glow about plucky individuals winning through despite all that is stacked against them, because that is a, an archetype much loved by those in favour of free market economics and those who dislike regulation by the state. Let individuals fight for themselves, so the story goes. Let them rise up from situations of hardship by their own bootstraps. Let them make something of their own lives. And this, of course, is the American dream. And we only have to look at the huge gaps between rich and poor in the so-called land of the free to know that such dreams come at a cost for many. Unfettered capitalism, as far as I'm concerned, it requires poverty to underpin it, and it will always be thus. And I think that's why I chose the, um, the quote that we have on today's order of service, um, almost as a reminder that though, of course, individuals can rise despite their circumstances, Yet, we live in a world where the vast majority of the world's poor can only endure. They're going nowhere. This is Kazuo Ishiguro, the Japanese writer. I'm not at all interested, he writes, in the brave who fight against the odds and win. I'm interested in those who accept their lot, as that is what many people in the world are doing. They do their best in ghastly conditions. And that is for sure true, isn't it? But it leads me really possibly to the question that I've been holding all this month as we've explored this theme of chance, randomness and luck in life. 
how do we hold hope, hopefulness alongside that inevitability that Ishiguro is, is writing about there? And I find an answer to that in the poem we heard earlier, and sometimes with its closing line. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen for you. In an uncertain universe, let's be people who hold the possibility of beating the odds. Let's cherish our ideas and our schemes, our dreams, and most importantly, let's encourage one another in this enterprise of life. Let's encourage one another to dream big and to imagine life on Earth as we would wish it to be. In the face of tyrants and bullies and systems that oppress us, let's remember how some underdogs do hit the mark when they sling that stone. Amen. Let's sing now our closing um, hymn today. It's called For the Splendour of Creation and it's number 39 in the Purple Book. For the Splendour of Creation. down a blessing upon all of us gathered here this day a blessing for life both puzzling and odd in gratitude for life that continually surprises us 
for people who never quite behave how we expect them to, for our predictions that fall stupendously wide of the mark, and for the splendour of creation that holds us so lovingly despite everything. May we who are blessed appreciate fully all the gifts we are given and pass our gratitude on to all those we meet along the way. Amen. Go well and blessed be. Thank mm-hmm. you.